coming up on this episode of the Goldilocks Zone, we turn to the dark side as we talk Star Wars, the original trilogy. Uh, a New Hope, An Empire Strikes Back, and A Return of a Jedi. We cover it all uh, through uh, classically trained eyes and uh, virgin first-time eyes. We talk Star Wars coming up on the Goldilocks Zone. Stick around. You're entering the Goldilocks Zone, episode number 35, recorded December 10th, 2015. Star Wars, the original trilogy. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of the Goldilocks Zone. I'm Sean Jennings, joined as always by uh, the Emperor himself. Um, yes, let the hate flow through you. It's Matt Mariani. Mm, I always let the Wookiee win, Sean. I shouldn't, uh, let, I, I, should I put up the hood, you think? Do I look uh, mm. evil enough? Uh, we'll talk you about You seem that. to be more machine than man. Twisted and evil. Twisted and uh, Laugh it up, fuzzball. Uh, yeah, so we could, we literally could just do an hour of quotes. That's kind of what Star Wars a, is. You're just a scruffy looking nerf herder. <laughs> so now drink your blue milk. <laughs> it's so weird but it's so fantastic matt as i i hope the people at home have figured out we're talking star wars this week mm, which now I know, you're bantha fodder you're oh man you are a big fan <laughs> uh how, how long you must have seen star wars when you were a kid right i mean yeah. you you've seen them plenty of times i'm sure so one of, one of the earliest memories i ever have of uh being in a movie theater is watching the re-release of the original trilogy. I went mm -hmm. to see the re-release of the original trilogy uh, with my dad when I was very young. Um, I think my dad slept through every single one of them, but I loved every single minute of every movie. Uh, it's still a movie that, and, and I had a tradition going all the way through from, I think from the start of middle school all the way up to the end of high school where mm -hmm. uh, during, during midterms week, my friends and I would get together. We would watch the original um, three movies, four, five, and six. And then during finals week, we would watch one, two, and three. And uh, it was just a, a tradition that we had. Every single year, we would watch all the movies. So I could pretty much quote <laughs> all of them verbatim. So safe to say you're kind of an expert. A little bit. Too much of an expert. Too much of an expert. Yeah, Absolutely. It, it's... I wish it was something you could get paid to be, but a Star Wars expert. But... Unless you're George Lucas, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but if you're the expert, that makes me the the newbie here because the Padawan learner. The Padawan. Oh say. my God, you're going to do this the whole show. I know it. Um, <laughs> I've never seen Star Wars before, Matt. As you know, people feel uncomfortable when I say that. They ask me if I'm Amish. They asked me if I was locked in a cage for most of my childhood. They asked me if my parents are uh, religious or if I was in a cult. Um, or just generally ask if something's wrong with me. Um, the answer to that question is I just don't watch many movies. Um, and I just never got around to it. But um, in anticipation of uh, Episode 7, The Force Awakens, coming out in a couple weeks, I took the plunge and I decided to watch the films. I've only watched the original trilogy so far. This coming weekend, I am going to watch the prequels, which I just hear are amazing films, and I can't wait to see them. And um, we're going to talk about the original trilogy here. So I'm excited, um, and I think we're going to base this a little bit off of... I live-tweeted 
my viewing of the first three movies, and I'm going to do it for the prequels as well, at Sean Jennings on Twitter, um, if you want to follow along. Every thought I had, I put on Twitter. It was like sitting there watching it with me, except publicly on the internet, harassing all the people who thought it would be a good idea to follow me. So we're going to jump in, Matt. It, it's it's random thought style. There's really no rhyme or reason. We didn't make a list. Does that sound okay to you? That sounds great to me, Sean. Okay. Let's start with uh, with the original, the classic, uh, 1977's episode uh, episode six, A New Hope, um, the original film. Uh, I will say I got a little chill going down my spine when the first movie opens and it's space and and it start you know shh, you know it comes in and you're just like oh man like immediately you kind of get and that was one of my absolute favorite thing about all three films but really i think done perfectly in the first one because really the other two just follow it but this film does some of the best work i've ever seen on film of displaying the beauty and vastness of space which is, I think, impossibly hard to do, especially in 77 before computer effects, right? Today, yeah. who gives a shit? You know, you watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh. It looks beautiful in space, right? It's all yeah. on a computer with green screens. But Right, right. But yeah, the the, um, the special effects of LucasArts was really something that was very ahead of its time. And it really revolutionized everything about uh, not only science fiction movies, but just movies in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the things that they were able to achieve with um, with visuals were just absolutely spectacular. And I want to get into the opening scene of A New Hope in a little bit. But first, going back to what you said about the musical score, that was another mm. really fantastic achievement. You had John Williams, the uh, the composer of uh, of all of the the music from the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. He really he utilized a technique called light motif, which was very big. In the uh, the Wagner pieces, the Wagner pieces of music, um, leitmotif basically like for each character, he had kind of like a little set of musical notes, and he like mm-hmm. would play them. Like the Force had a leitmotif, and Princess Leia had her own leitmotif. Vader, uh, and the Imperial March. That you would have like little snippets of of so, so that it was kind of like it intertwined itself with part of the theme. Mm-hmm. And another quick thing is um, when you mentioned you got you had like kind of got chills when you heard that that opening score, like right when the movie started. I think one of the best Star Wars connected memories I have is going to watch the prequels when they came out in theater. And for when when every one of them started up, episode one, episode two and episode three, especially episode three got the loudest because I went to the midnight showing for that. And that was where the, you got the the diehard fans. But for each one of those, as soon as that, you know, it, it comes up, it says a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Mm-hmm. And then when the Star Wars thing shot itself, the logo shot itself up onto the screen, thunderous applause from the audience. Like everybody just erupted into like insanity, mm-hmm. especially from, yeah, the, the, the first episode because it was back. Star Wars was back. And episode three, I think everybody figured that was going to be the end it was going to be the last star wars little did they know yeah star wars can, keeps later. basically printing money so it's not going anywhere so yeah just the, it was just really cool to to like 
get that enthusiasm from well, and some the, fellow the community Star Wars aspect. Fans. I mean, it's it's amazing as I've as I've watched through these and I've tweeted and I've talked to people in person. It's it, there's a reason I'm made fun of. It's because everybody has seen these movies and it's it really is a unique connected ex- experience especially in the 21st century where we're all into more niche things than we've ever been before that all you say is it's amazing i would tell people something about a specific scene and they would know what it was or i'd say oh i hated uh when they put that cgi lizard in there and they'd immediately know this movie <laughs> that came out how long ago and they remembered and could connect with it and have a conversation about it. Complete strange people who I thought I would never have this kind of conversation with. That is a very rare experience in media. Um, and I think that's why Star Wars keeps coming back is because somehow, uh, no idea how, somehow it managed to work that way into our culture, really. And that, that's that's what it is. It's not a movie. It's not a. It's not even a story. It's, it's more of a cultural icon. Yeah. Uh, it's... It's kind of like, a, yeah, like you said, a cultural icon. It's something that unites, and and it's it's also a cross generational mm-hmm. icon, which I think is uh, something I don't think it, it ever expected to be. I mean, one of the fun facts. I'm going to be introducing some fun facts throughout our that's what, show. That's what you're here for, right? Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm here to spruce <laughs> that up a little bit with the fun facts. And one of the fun facts I want to um, I wanted to bring up was that George Lucas didn't believe there was going to be a a second Star Wars. Even when he made the first Star Wars, it was not really titled A New Hope. It mm-hmm. was just titled Star Wars because he was just going to think it was just going to be a one-time thing. And it is a very self-contained movie. It really is. Yeah, it really is. If you watch, you could watch A New Hope as its own movie mm-hmm. and it would be totally fine. Actually, the scene, and spoiler alert, I'm sure that it's well, not really a spoiler yeah. alert for, for anybody because now now that you've seen all the Star Wars movies, everybody L- literally has, Wars. yeah. Everybody in the world. So uh, in the end of the movie, when Darth Vader's TIE Interceptor bounces away from the explosion, that scene was shot after all of the other scenes. That's actually the last scene to be filmed because it was when it was kind of I think it was kind of spliced in there. I'm not even sure if it was part of the original theatrical release. Mm -hmm. I think they I think they spliced it in after the theatrical release to basically um because it was it was just going to be a done deal. Like mm-hmm. the Death Star was going to blow up, and it was just going to be presumed that Darth Vader died in it or in the explosion, and you know evil would be defeated, and that would be that. Yep. But the people wanted more, Sean, and more they got, and they sure did. But anyway, we should jump right into the uh, uh, discussion of that first scene. Uh, yes, which which first scene are, are we talking about? The very very opening shot. I'm just going to throw in another fun fact about okay. Star Wars. Did you happen to notice, Mr. Sean, mm-hmm. what the opening scenes, two things, the opening scenes of every Star Wars movie you have seen so far had in common? No. Two things. Okay. One, they were all shot in space. The opening scene took place in outer space. And okay. two, no dialogue uh. at all. No dialogue in outer space. And, but at the same time, no dialogue doesn't mean no story. Every single opening scene basically set the stage and told you everything you needed it's amazing. to know about the how the movie was, was going to play I, out. I, I, I tweeted this, and, and please, if you're watching and you have an answer, please email us. But name another movie that's done that, that's done an opening like that where it's... 
you know, there are lots of film sequels and, and, and stories told across film, but that open so blatantly and that are just in your face about it. And like, look, you're in the story. There's no easing you in. We're, we're starting strong. We're plugging it in. Um, and, and, and we're just going to explain it to you. And, and listen, you're on board for the ride, whether you like it or not. I, I thought that was really unique. Um, and to be honest, I didn't really appreciate it until the second and third films. Um, because that's when it starts clicking your head that, wow, this is really valuable. Um, especially when you're talking a story so epic. Um, you know, now we all know the story pretty well. I mean, there were plenty of scenes I knew were coming just from general pop culture. But back then, I'm sure when people saw it for the first time, um, it was important. And I, and it's, it's a really cool way. Star Wars did a, a lot of things like that. And, and to me, when I watch a movie, and we've talked about this on the show before, I like to separate out the, the sort of technical side from the story side. Um, of a film, and I think technically, the the opening crawl is a a really unique way to tell a story in a film, and and I give Star Wars a lot of credit for doing that, because um, we obviously haven't seen it since, at least that I can recall. Yeah, it really was uh, something incredibly unique. Mm. Um, so that opening, the opening shot, yeah, I, the opening shot. I want to talk about for a new hope. The opening scene opens up with a chase. Mm -hmm. It's the Imperial Star Destroyer chasing mm -hmm. after um, uh, Princess Leia's consular ship or consular ship. Mm -hmm. I'm putting that in quotes because it's she disguises it as the consular ship, as we learn later on. Um, and uh, it's being basically you see the ship. That you see, first of all, you just see a shot of Naboo with space above it. You see the ship flying away, and you see it being pursued aggressively by the Star Destroyer. And they're firing back and forth, but it clearly looks like Princess Leia and the Rebels are outmatched mm -hmm. by their Imperial gunmen. The, the, the Empire is vast and strong, you can see, because of the long, long shot of that, of that Imperial Star Destroyer compared to the very short, relatively short um, escape cruiser. And you see really that there's not much hope for these uh, for the rebel alliance. They're being pursued um, above a desert planet, um, and it looks like things aren't going to turn out well for them. And then what we open up to is uh, Mr. Um, Mr. C-3PO, who actually gets the first line of dialogue in the, in the, in the films. Hmm. And he says, "Did you hear that?" Because it's a, uh, um, it's it's the at the part where like right before Darth Vader is about to come on board the ship, and that kind of sets the stage for three PO and R two D two. The role of these two droids throughout the movies is to basically act as the chorus. In ancient Greece, in ancient Greek dramas, they had what was called a chorus, and the chorus and Shakespeare used this technique as well. They had a chorus, and it was like a group of people who basically told you the plot of the story from like an outsider's perspective, while at the same time kind of interjecting co uh, like comedic relief at times and tragic uh, elements at other times. Mm -hmm. So that's what he really wanted, like uh, like an outside take. And that was three PO and R two D two for all intents and purposes are the audience. Like they are, we are watching kind of through their eyes. Yeah, and they and they all the action unfolds. And they explain a lot of the things on behalf of the audience. Every 
every uh, story that's very um, epic or or broad or technical requires that that explainer. I always joke this is why uh, Ice T is on SVU. Have you ever watched Law and Order SVU? I oh, swear, Ice T's only yeah. role <laughs> is, is when they say something. You know, it's like, oh, it's the hemoglobin, hemoglobin. hemoglobin you know, yeah. what's that? You know, and they always have to explain so, it to him. You need yeah. that person, and I think these characters do it really well in the he's film. He's there to he's there to laymanize exactly. And when you're talking about everybody to explain it in layman's terms, and when you're talking about space and droids and all these things, they they do a good job of that. Yeah, I found myself um, really coming to care for those characters as the movie went on. Um, I got very tired very quickly in, in a lot of the films for a lot of the characters of the characters who don't talk, Chewbacca and R2-D2 and uh, Jabba. And, uh, <laughs> Jabba talks. Jabba, Jabba speaks Huttese. He's subtitled, which I greatly appreciated. But I got real tired of the one character understands what he's saying, so he'll translate it for you. Um mm. That is something I did not appreciate, but I think both characters, you're you're absolutely right, provided a valuable resource to the audience. Yeah, like um, where did Han Solo learn to speak Wookiee? Well, that's what I'm saying, and then it's it's it's. <laughs> I guess he spent so much time. All of a sudden, everyone speaks it robot. It's like oh, annoying. Orlando Calarizian's little buddy that he rides with at, at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Now, fun fact: I'm interject another fun fact. Um, Huttese, the language mm -hmm. that Jabba the Hutt speaks, mm -hmm. actually based on a real language. It's based on Quechua, which oh. is a tribal language from South America. And it's still spoken in small enclaves today. That is a fun fact. Fun fact. I love it. Uh, they see, didn't just make up silly things for him to say. See, Matt, this is the fantastic difference between our contributions, because you tell us a fun fact like that, and I'm looking at my list of notes, and I just wrote, LASER BATTLE in all caps with, with <laughs> five exclamation battle. points. So um, what did you like about the laser battle? I love, there are a lot of laser battles. Well, and, and, and we can talk about that. Um, and, and again, this spans all the, the, the three movies, but these films, for me, were at their best in... The fun, exciting space fights. And not the not the ships flying around, which was cool, especially in some of the tight shots. And um, But I, I use the example of the Saralac pit as my uh, favorite example of a great scene where everyone's fighting each other and they kind of use wacky and someone's hanging by a thread and you got to save them and they're shooting each other and it was a scheme the whole time. And... Oh, it was, and then stuff exploded, which was great. The explosions were great in these movies. Uh, that was for me the essence of these films is like the Home Alone esque antics, and <laughs> and nobody ever gets hit by the laser guns except the bad guys, and it's very kitchen sort of seventies, right? Um, yeah. But that's and fun. Like that's I'm, a big, uh, it's a big running joke with the Star Wars community that you know the stormtroopers. Just they they have horrible horrible aim. Yeah. They never seem to hit anybody. They like, you know. So that, that's a, that's a that's a common a common trope. Yeah. Star star troop stormtrooper aim. But that's great. Like I am so over the and it's kind of funny that I find refreshing a movie from so long ago. But I'm over the like Dark Knight style. Everything's dark and we blow everything up and everyone <laughs> dies. No, I just want like like when the uh, when the Ewoks are are fighting. Um, to uh, to to protect uh, to, protect the shield generator, right? Um, or to know they're they're fighting to blow to up destroy the shield it. Generator. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, was another great explosion. But you know, yeah. when they like have the two logs that come in and smash, or they like you know they unfurl and they trip, and and it's just it's comical, it's silly, it's it's 
um, uh, slapstick almost to some Slaps, degree. Yeah. And it's, it's these little teddy bears beating these stupid soldiers at their own game. I love it. Like, that's it's fun. Slapstick it's murder. Genuine fun. All these stormtroopers are getting massacred by these little teddy bears. <laughs> and, you know, that was my I did. I did write that. I said, uh, you know, it, 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 this emperor specifically uses the line, our best soldiers are being sent mm-hmm. to the surface. And they were defeated by a bunch of teddy bears. So bunch of teddy bears. But you know what? They they knew their turf. They knew their they own did. turf. They it was did. kind of a lot of people think it was allegorical of the Vietnam War. I don't really believe that. I don't think George That's Lucas thought that far into it. I think it's a big stretch. I think he just <laughs> wanted to have a jungle planet because he already had a desert planet, a snow planet, yeah. a fire planet, mm-hmm. and outer space. And I think he just wanted to complete yeah. it and just have this, the forest planet. Hundred percent. Hundred percent agree. And a cloud planet. Mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. Yes, and that was another, again, talking about the technical, I loved the wide shots of these locations. Like, for example, when um in the first movie, C-3PO and R2 in the desert, these little tiny pinpricks in this vast desert space, again, showing the, the, the vastness of these planets out of space and how alone they are just by a single camera angle. Cloud City being another great example, some of those establishing shots, I literally paused the Blu-ray and looked at them because Mm. they were just really beautiful to look at. And this movie had so many great shots and angles and... And, and, and honestly, I really appreciated the filmmaking of these movies. And, and they they captured that 70s sci-fi style I love, like Planet of the Apes being a great example, where it looks 70s, but it's in the future. I, I'm just a big fan of that aesthetic, and yeah. this really knocked it out of the park for me in, in that respect. Another great movie that does that that's worth a very honorable mention to watch, if you haven't already, Blade Runner. Oh, I got to watch that. Blade Runner. And it stars Han Solo. Harrison Ford. Who was fantastic, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I don't think you can mention the technical aspects of the movie without mentioning, I think, number one on my list of least favorite things about these three films. Okay. George Lucas's meddling. Now I know. It's easy. Everyone points to George Lucas ruined the movies. <laughs> I went in with an open mind. I said, I, I'm expecting some not great decisions from George Lucas. And then a big CGI lizard walked across the screen for no reason. And there was a CGI job of the hut for no reason. And, and you're in a city and there's all this shit happening in the background for oh. no reason. I, I, so you watch the special edition, yes, Sean. that's all they sell. You can't get anything oh, else. You can't, no. get, anything you can't else. get the originals You anymore? cannot. They, they are not for oh. sale. You'd have to find an existing that copy. That was a mistake. Yeah, the blue. That was a mistake. And the funny thing is the... I, Go on Wikipedia and read what they changed because it's not only the 97 special editions. They recorrected them in 03 and then they tell re- me and they corrected them again in 07. For the love of God, tell me you did not have the edition with Hayden Christensen at oh, the, in end the end of Return of the Jedi. Please tell me that was not the one you watched. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh. All those changes you know and love. God, that was the that was like the biggest kick in the balls when I heard about that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! And I spotted it immediately. That was not just even seeing the other movies. To like, to like everybody, that was basically like, here's the here's the middle finger to everybody who ever loved this franchise. Mm-hmm. That was the final straw. Yeah, all that other crap meddling in, in Tatooine with all the crap slapstick dumb 
the mm-hmm. lizards are walking around in the background. No. Yeah. The sorrow. The, actually, another another change that I think was really stupid that was they should have kept better. The Sarlacc pit that you mentioned earlier yeah. didn't originally have a beak. It was just a oh, pit. Really? It was just a pit. I did not know. It that. was a. It was just a gi- literally just a giant stomach in the middle of the desert with a with like a mouth, mm-hmm. but the mouth was just this pit. Mm-hmm. And that beak was added in. That CG beak. Mm-hmm. I thought that looked horrible, and I thought every time somebody fell in the pit, it looked so fake because they would get like swallowed up by this CG beak, and they would just like disappear. Mm-hmm. That was it was like video game ish. It yeah. was dumb. Yeah, there were there was way too much stuff, and every time it would be like an alarm would go off. Whoop whoop! Bad CGI alert because you know yeah. it's, that, it's that late '90s CGI where it's just. I don't know not why good. he ruined it. And but but I, but that's what bothers me more than anything else because he didn't. He did so many good things. These these re-releases, they're beautiful to look at on Blu-ray, on your big screen TV. They look gorgeous, and he spent, apparently, because I was reading, he spent a good chunk of the budget on um, audio correction. The audio sounds amazing. Mm. Like, they, they just, I've never seen film look as good as these films look. The correction is really well done. It yeah. just It's just the stupid shit. That just doesn't make what, any sense. Like what he's a what he what he accomplished with what little he had. Why would you want to like bastardize that? I know, and and to be honest, I I get I get the idea of well, we didn't have the technology at the time, so we couldn't do it. That's fine, but that's just part of making a movie. Like th- it is what it is, man. Let it go. <laughs> right. Ah. But you know what? When there's money to be made, well, maybe and- he felt the super special edition DVDs. When I sell those. Well, you know, it was something like he spent what would have been half of the original budget for Star Wars again in the 90s to correct them. Um, so wow. they spent tens of millions of dollars uh, on these re-releases, and, and they obviously made it back at the box office with the re-release. And you just wait a couple years from now, Disney will release the original cuts and make a, and I'll buy another goddamn Blu-ray set. But it'll be worth it. But it'll be worth it. those were awesome. Yes, Those they were, were great. But I, I enjoyed it, and, and the effects, of course, were... We're out of this Another interesting correction, for better or for worse, in The Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. the opening uh, or the, the the scene on Hoth in the beginning of the movie where Luke is captured by the Wampa, the ice creature mm-hmm. that you call the Yeti mm-hmm. on Twitter. Yeah, yes. Uh, you never actually see the ice creature. Oh. He's he's part of the special edition uh, editing. Uh, basically, Luke gets knocked out by a um, – you see for a brief second just like this claw that knocks him out. He's in the ice cave, and you hear you hear the uh, like a, an echo of this creature in, mm-hmm. in the background. You never see him, and he's able to cut himself free. And the camera actually moves into the perspective of the creature as if it's like walking towards him. Mm-hmm. So then he cuts himself free, and he slashes it with the lightsaber. The thing dies, and then he escapes the cave. But you never see it. I'm not sure if it's better or if it's worse. That's just that was just one just of different. the uh, the things that they changed. It was mm-hmm. just kind of different. Mm-hmm. The CG Jabba, where Han steps on his tail. That was oh. that was another dumb moment. Oh. That didn't happen in the original. That was just, he just didn't step on his tail. He just walked behind him. And uh, I, I I think I I've told, I um I shared on Twitter the original Jabba wasn't even a giant slug. Was a guy. He was just a big fat guy in, yeah. a, in a fur coat. Yeah, which I didn't mind. <laughs> Well, actually, I didn't care for him, but the the actual slug in in uh, in Return of the Jedi is uh, is is fine. I don't I don't know why we needed him in the first 
movie. Um, but I cared for him more than I would a regular guy. I'm kind of glad they they took the extra step to make him something a little more interesting than a fat guy. Because um, with Leia and the whole bikini thing, that would have been extra creepy. Which was, by the way, one thing I did tweet, which was that I don't know why people think that bikini outfit is racy, which it probably was in, what was that, 83? Um, but today, that's like nothing. That is tame as hell. She might as well be wearing a burqa. So, you know. What, yeah. whatever take that for what it's worth that's a, it's a huge like controversy now it's i think mm-hmm. it's going around in the it, it's not really i wouldn't say the star wars community because i don't think the real no. true fans care much about that it's more like no. i don't know concerned parents or but something she wore a lot of other something you know revealing now you know too. you know that speaking of that outfit by the way mm-hmm. um she the reason there's a there's a reason behind that that outfit there's a story basically um, uh, Carrie Fisher complained to George Lucas saying that the outfits that Princess Leia had worn in the first two movies were much too conservative and she really tried to get in shape for this role and she wanted something that was more mm-hmm. feminine mm-hmm. that would show off more of her feminine physique and that was what George Lucas had in mind he actually got the idea from a couple of serials that he had watched basically if you, if you, can, put, you can point to everything in this movie coming from a serial that George Lucas watched when he was a kid, mm-hmm. which just makes it more of a labor of love. Oh, absolutely. Flash Gordon, mm-hmm. um, everything else that he was into, like, you know, like uh, Attack of the Mars people, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. B-movies, like, he, yeah, that was that was just the kind of stuff that he watched and the stuff he grew up on. Absolutely. And, you know, when, when it comes to, to, to Princess Leia, I was um, bummed. I guess to uh, to see certainly in the first two movies she really didn't have anything to do. I I don't think I mean and and the things she did were very minor. She only managed to get captured a lot, um, and get saved a lot, and sit around and and make witty quips and make eyes with Luke and or Han depending on the film. Watch your um, planet blow up. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it, it's I was kind of just pretty pretty bad. That that I mean, <laughs> that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, which she got over. New extreme. That was one thing too. She got over that pretty quickly, and Luke got over his uh, aunt and uncle getting fried uh, pretty quickly Slaughter. as well. Yeah, he was just like, "Oh, they're dead. All right, let's to Alderaan. Let's." Now, when what, after you watch the prequels, I, I want you to contrast. There's a scene with Anakin mm-hmm. getting upset over the death of a close person. I'm not going to re- spoil anything else, All but right. it's, it's. I'll keep my eyes out for that. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, keep your eyes out for that Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen. That's that's right. Bunch of liars. Blue um, milk drinkers. Oh my God! Can we talk Alec Guinness for a second? Alec Guinness. How friggin' awesome! He was one of the best parts of the movie for me because he's so badass and he has that accent and he's so authoritative. I was like, he came on screen and I was like, I'm sold. I'm in. Count me mm. in. I get it. And then they. Freaking killed him at the end of the first movie. Come on, yeah. come but on. Not really, because he was. Well, I know he kept coming back. The next movies, but yeah. I wanted him like in the movies. You know, yeah. like 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 cut three PO and and bring him in. I was he really was the bummed. Mentor. I know. Yeah, he, he, he had to get Luke to a certain point, and then once he was but at then, that point, he kind of. But then they replaced perfect. him with the horrificly annoying Yoda. Oh, wow. that was the worst part of Empire Strikes Back for, for me. All the swamp scenes were awful i was like getting fun fact about yoda back to the fun stuff yoda is voiced by frank oz who also voiced grover from sesame street i didn't again did not know that you mm-hmm. were just chock full of these 
Yeah, you can tell if you, if you listen to him closely. Also, another fun fact is nobody knows Yoda's exact age or species. A lot of people think he may be the last of his species. However, there was a female Yoda, if you look in the background of, um, I forget if it was the Jedi Council or the Galactic Senate. I think it was the Jedi Council. Are those things I have to look forward to in the prequels? Cameo. In the prequels. There's, there's something called that. the Galactic there's Senate? There's a, there's a whole bunch of bullshit that uh, you have to get ready for, uh, my friend. I'm like, I'm dreading it. Oh, uh, it's painful. Um... Yeah, no, I did not care for Yoda. They could have cut all those swamp scenes and just been like, Luke went away for a while and well, just come back to They had to, to show that he was training and he was preparing for his oh. journey. Now, the coolest scene, you didn't like the scene where he goes into the tree or into the cave, the natural cave. I think it's like it's supposed to be a cave, but it looks kind of like a big tree. And he goes into it and he, he sees Darth Vader and then he cuts Darth Vader's head off, but it's actually him in the mask. Yeah, no, I didn't care for that. You didn't like that? I thought, that was supposed to be I thought like it, he's turning into Darth Vader but that, slash you know, but, he's defeating his the evil side of himself. But see, that bothered me because, and we'll talk about this later, why I liked the end of Return of the Jedi so much, but way too obvious symbolism. I thought the movie actually did a really good job throughout with subtle symbolism and, and carrying a subtle story throughout three films. That was a little too forceful for me. I thought, all right, we get it. We get it. Like, you know, you're conquering your demons. We, you know, take it down a notch. Yeah. they. I mean, it was the it was the 70s and 80s. They I had know. to have a training montage somewhere. I know. But then At least there was, they didn't put it to music. Well, that's what I'm saying. They should have put it to music. And then, you know, <laughs> that would have been much better. Um, Rocky style. Yeah. I, uh, I did not care for those. That, that, that was, uh, to be honest, Empire Strikes Back got a little slow for me. Um... All these movies were too long. That is that is probably my second biggest complaint after George Lucas' wow. meddling. They're long. I am a and this is a personal quirk of mine. If a scene in a movie doesn't add something to the story or character development, I don't like it in there. Leave that for deleted scenes. Star Wars did that a lot. So I like what, what I, scene would you cite specifically? So the one I specifically point out is the one, see, and you know all the location and character and, and creature names, so you'll have to excuse me. The one where they land on the asteroid, okay. but it's really the worm thing? Yeah. Okay. No, that wasn't superfluous. That was just cool. You didn't think didn't, that was cool? But it didn't add anything to the story or the characters. No, it was, it was an exciting chase, and they were they were flying out, they, and, and it was like kind of like a twist. Like they were in uncharted territory. Okay, but then... If you're looking at the movie and you say it's too long, we need to cut it down, what are you going to cut? You can easily cut that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And when a movie is two to two and a half hours long, it, it I just felt that the pacing was not great and I felt they were too long. But that's a personal quirk of mine. There, there were a lot of scenes where I was like wanting to fast forward and I'm like, I don't need this. Let's get to either the character development or the cool laser battles. I don't... Well, there's a lot with... There's a lot of... And I'm going to delve a little bit too deep Ooh. on this one, I think. There's a lot of, when you look at, like, Star Wars as a film, there's a lot of mistaken identity that happens. Okay. In every movie, you see, that's no moon. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's a space station. You see uh, Leia disguising herself in Jabba's palace as a bounty hunter. You see... Uh, Luke disguises himself. They do that a lot. The, the mask tear off. The emperor. Yeah. yeah. And then, but so that, I think that asteroid scene with the giant space monster was just another 
mistaken identity where things are not what they seem. They, so, they thought they were inside of an asteroid and it turns out they were inside of a giant creature that so, was going to eat. So they needed that scene to build an incredibly subtle motif. Or you could just chalk that up to actually George Lucas did not direct Empire Strikes hmm. Back. I did not know that. It was the, the direction was given to someone else. I for, forget his name. He, he definitely had a, had a hand in the creative process, oh, yeah. obviously. Mm -hmm. But he did not direct it. That oh, was I had the a lot of good things going for it. He did not direct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that could be that could have just been that other guy's like that's true thing. Um, also, another fun fact about the asteroid scene: if in that scene where uh, the Millennium Falcon is hiding up against the asteroid so that it doesn't get um, sensed by the Imperial Star Destroyer's radars mm -hmm. or radar system, um, you can see a. If you pause, you can see a potato, a shoe, and a slice of pizza, apparently, hidden in the asteroid field. Try Wait. it if you got some time. Maybe the special edition yeah, wiped all those it. out because those were fun. Those are just fun little things. That seems like something you would do. He replaced it there's with also, CGI pizza. Speaking of pizza, there's a, a special fan theory out there mm -hmm. that all of the spaceships in the movie... Mm -hmm. I think besides the X-Wing, all of the spaceships in the movie are based on food. That... The Star Destroyer looks like a slice of pizza. The yeah. Death Star is an apple. Uh-huh. Uh, the Millennium Falcon is a pot pizza pie with the slice taken out of it. Uh-huh. Or a cheese wedge. Uh-huh. With, with the slice taken out of it. You know, Matt, there are a lot of good things about a movie becoming a cultural icon... But then there's a lot of stupid shit like that. <laughs> no. Sorry, folks. I'm not buying it. <laughs> I think they're just cool-shaped uh, uh, ships. By the way, Matt, what is your what is your favorite, sh uh, we'll say, type of ship? My favorite class. Your favorite, favorite class. My favorite class yes. of ship. Uh-huh. Uh, are we going to say a, like a, um, I'll just say the A-Wing. The A-Wing's really cool. Which one was the a Oh, the one where they the pulled, the really, pulled really it out? The A-Wing's the really, really fast one. No, that's the TIE Fighter, I think is what you're thinking of. The A-Wing is just like a like a little – it's almost like a car. It's the fastest ship in the Rebel oh, fleet. Okay. It's really, really fast. I like the x -Wings. It doesn't have much firepower, but it's really fast. Yeah. And I thought the X-Wings were cool. If I had to have a ship, it would be the X-Wings. The X-Wings are pretty well balanced. They're kind of yeah. like your median range Well, because to me, they look like a spaceship should look like. They're equipped with proton torpedoes, so what more can you yeah, want? That's pretty cool. Or the um, – what is the uh, the speeds the, – the car he had in the first movie on a Tatooine? Oh, the – the Sand Cruiser? Yes, the Sand Cruiser. It was just called the Sand Cruiser. The Sand Cruiser. That was pretty sweet. I, I drive that around town. Yeah. That thing was cool. I used to... I, there was a the original Star Wars for the uh, Super Nintendo. There was a level where you got to drive that around that before was... you got to your murdered aunt and uncle's house. Ooh. Ah, uh, burnt to... There's burnt cool skeletons? Level. Oh, that was aggressive. Yeah, that was, that was gruesome. Notice how they don't I, melt I, I, anyone else in any of the other no. movies. And they have to have the skeletons out there. That was really gruesome. Or it's kind of, you know, and they did that in the first. It's funny. Again, the first movie stands on its own. But once you see the three of them, you notice the differences. Very early in A New Hope, Darth Vader chokes a guy with his hand. Holds yeah. him up with his hand. Which doesn't, doesn't make any sense. He could just use the force. Like, he just they chokes clearly him. thought of that later. Yeah, that's another thing. They they did. They did think of that later. Um Originally, Darth Vader was kind of supposed to be like Han. Not that he was like a, he wasn't like going to be a dark Jedi. He was going to be basically the opposite of a Jedi, where mm -hmm. he like didn't believe in 
like blaster over force basically right. like could just handle everything with his lightsaber oh, and I skill liked that. That been cool. and luke was going to be able to defeat him with his jedi powers yeah they just wanted to have him he was basically going to be like a maniacal evil twisted guy but neat. he didn't really have the force yeah. but then they then they decided they were going to make him have the force so they have that scene where he chokes the guy in the meeting that was awesome and then they all make fun of him kind of they say like well he's he's um He's obsessed with the old ways or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, nobody believes it. One of the best scenes, my most quotable s- scenes in the movie. Apology accepted, Captain Nita. In Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. when he chokes Captain Nita. You see his body just fall. I love it. Oh, my God. Don't That's work awesome. for Darth Vader. It's not going to end well. <laughs> He's a tough man to please. And there's another one he force chokes over a hologram. Yeah. He's he's watching the guy's hologram and the guy starts choking and then his hologram like, turns that's off. That's awesome. That yeah. was that was he great. Just do, he could just force choke people wherever he wants. I was a big fan of that. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. Looking at my I, I'm scanning through my list of things I wrote. One of them I, which I thought was interesting was uh, quote The Darth Vader breathing effect is far more subtle than I would have thought based on the hundred parodies I've seen. Which mm. gets me to my next point. Darth Vader is awesome. He's yeah. great. Probably in my top three characters in the movie. He is fantastic. And at points, I was rooting for him. Yeah. Well, Darth Vader is one of only a small handful of characters that goes through a complete arc Mm -hmm. during whole movies. Mm -hmm. I would say it's really Darth, Luke, and to a lesser extent, Han. Right. I think are the only characters that go through a complete character arc. Mm -hmm. They go from like something that they were and then they end up something completely different by the end of the movie mm-hmm. and Darth Vader's arc is probably the most dramatic just oh, for obvious reasons um, uh, we'll have a lot more with his backstory obviously when we watch the, the prequel mm, you know it um, and also what was up with the Emperor shooting lightning bolts out of his hands that was unnecessary I was watching that and I'm like this He's doesn't got unlimited power but that's what I'm saying like it doesn't fit canon like for me it was like okay we've never seen anyone else do that now you're suddenly it's like oh you can shoot lightning bolts i don't know i thought that was that was something that was the evil force that he could force lightning it's what's a sith technique i i'm sure i'll learn more about that in the coming films um uh oh i'm calling bullshit on r2d2's ability to roll around in the sand and other uh, exotic locations he could just get around really easily for being in uh, the sand, or on ice, or in forests, um, and all those well, things. That bothers me. That's because he's an astromech droid. Astromech <sighs> droids need to be versatile in all environments, on any planet, because their purpose is basically to repair broken machinery in any environment. So he has, a, he has like little lifters so he can fly. He has wheelie things he can get around. Like He basically needs to get anywhere. The actual, actually, the the main purpose of the astromech droid is to fly, and basically be like the co-pilot it, for anybody. Right. They're like automatic co-pilots. They put him in the. They in put him in the X-wing. In the, in, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but, but they can also repair stuff. But he's got those little That's stiff arms and the little co-pilot. wheels on the arms. I don't know. I'm not. I just feel like I could just walk over and just tip him over. I think that was another. That was another uh, unfortunate um, side effect of the low budget of the mm-hmm. original movies. Mm-hmm. I don't think that. 
I think if they had the money, they would have made a cooler design for Probably. it. Fun fact, did you know there was a little man inside of R2-D2 the that. entire time? Which I also don't know why. Yeah. I feel like they could have just actually made a robot. He didn't do anything particularly impossible. Yeah. Like, just make the head thing spin around and make the wheels go, and you've made R2-D2. Um, Basically. I mean, they made all those awesome mini ships and explosions and stuff. I don't know why. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a little man named Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker. It was R2-D2. He also made the little the noises for him, too. Aw. That's cool. See, that's that 70s stuff I love, though. Because today that would never happen. It would never mm. happen. Right. He'd be CGI. Chewbacca'd be CGI. Right. They wouldn't be real. They wouldn't be real. No. They would just be completely by computer. That's and that's one thing I'm kind of excited about episode 7. I'm going to take JJ Abrams out of his word. He said they did a ton of the effects as practically as possible and not digitally. Good. That's I, what I, I'm I hoping mean, for. Cuz I think he I'm gets hoping it. for it too. Yeah. That was some of the he, best parts. Yeah. And he, he actually he was a Star Wars fan growing up. Mm-hmm. He never watched Star Trek and he made the Star Trek movies and I I thought they were okay. Yeah. They weren't really Star Trek because mm-hmm. you could tell that he didn't really have much of a love for Star Trek. They mm-hmm. weren't Star Trek movies. They were cool action movies set in space with all the characters from Star Trek. But if oh. you've seen any of the other Star Trek movies, they were they were not Star Trek. <laughs> it was not a Star Trek movie. But I thought he did a good job as a director. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, from a director's standpoint, it was cool. And, and all I'll say is if, if, if you think about... Disney today, if you can't get the movie minds behind Disney, Marvel, J.J. Abrams, George Lucas, if you can't make a good movie with the stack of people they have there, you've screwed up royally. Like, I don't know how you screw it up. Honestly. Like, that is the the dream team of movie magic. Um, The whole stable of of movie, yeah, movie, they, they can, movie making. They got to do something out of that. No, one other thing, too, I realized from uh, from A New Hope. A, that trash compactor had really soft garbage. Like, they all fell in the trash compactor with all this really sharp-looking metal refuse, and nobody got hurt. But aside from that, what I loved was, and it's very rare for me in movies, but when Han and Chewie came in at the last minute in A New Hope to save the day, I forgot about them. I love when movies do that. Like, yeah, they just show up. I always see those coming a mile away in today's movies. Well, obviously the heroes they're gonna, you know, they can't win. Well, they're gonna commit the last minute, save the day. I legitimately forgot. I thought they were done. I thought yep. they weren't coming back, and they, they came, came back, back, and I cheered. I jumped on the couch. I was like, "Yes, yeah. that's right." Because he leaves. He says, "I'm not in it for your revolution." Yep. And he did. He takes it, and the I was suitcase like, of credits and goes, but he comes back. Oh, he I was in it so excited. Mm-hmm. It was excellent. That was awesome. That was an awesome scene. Let's blow this and go home. Oh, man, I I really I really enjoyed that. So let's uh we we got to start thinking about ending. I know it's sad. Um, wow. A new hope, Matt. On a scale of one to ten, because I don't think we can use the rated scale for this, right? I mean, it's Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, it it, it supersedes the scale. I think that's my opinion anyway. Because you can't really call it, it's so, again, a cultural icon, you you can't really call it underrated or overrated, right? It just is right. what it is. Yeah. 
But let's say on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the greatest film of all time, where do you score A New Hope? I'm going to give it a 9. You're going to give it a 9. I'll tell you why it didn't get a perfect 10. Please do. Why didn't you give a medal to Chewie? <laughs> the end of the movie, <laughs> everybody so gets fair. a medal. Chewie doesn't get a medal. He's just standing there. He's clearly he's, he's Han Solo's co-pilot. Mm-hmm. He clearly did a great job. He helped your mission out. Why didn't he get a medal? Tell me why he didn't get a medal. Absolutely fair. That's why I got a nine. Hundred percent fair. Um, yeah, I uh, I thought about it. I gave it an eight and a half out of ten with an asterisk. An asterisk. Yeah, explain yes. that asker- asterisk, the asterisk to us. The asterisk is George Lucas's meddling. The film I watched is an eight and a half out of ten because that CGI. I'm I am a guy who likes to get in the mindset, get taken in by a movie, right? And it just, I, it legitimately broke my brain to some degree. When I saw those CGI things, it just took me out of the place. It took me out of the movie. And it really bothered me. If, I'm assuming seeing the unedited version, I would give it a whole nother point. I'd make it a 9 out of 10 and I would say it's probably in my easily top 10 favorite movies I've ever seen. I think A New Hope wow. on its own Tells a, tells a great story. It's got the look I love. It's cinematically beautiful. The character development is great for a single film. I ended up liking all the characters. I cheered. I got excited. The effects were great. End to end, what a fantastic movie. Yeah, and I really think that it's almost like two movies in one. It goes back to what we were saying before. Mm-hmm. You have Star Wars, and you have Star Wars A New Hope. It could be in itself a self-contained movie. It has all of the elements to be a, a standalone on its own movie. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really leave anything open. Doesn't. There's no loose ends. It starts out with a discernible villain, and in the end, the discernible villain is defeated. Mm-hmm. The heroes win. Luke becomes. He, he Luke grows and becomes a hero and grows into himself, basically. When he, when he trusts the Force, he learns to trust the Force instead of his own judgment or whatever. Mm-hmm. See that as a metaphor for religion or see it as a metaphor for inner peace, whatever you might see it as a metaphor for or just as a, as a metaphor for self-worth. Mm-hmm. And he wins in the end. He defeats the bad guys. Um, and then only later on did they decide to you know follow it up with a sequel. Right. So you really have it. You could watch the movie the entire time just thinking like this is its own thing or you could watch it and say there are going to be you know i'm going to i'm going to watch this and then i'm going to watch empire and then i'm going to watch return yeah uh as as, so that's what's one of the the magical things about that movie is to me and to be honest i think if they had never made the sequels or the prequels i still think that film would be remembered very fondly in a lot of ways uh you know uh, planet of the apes or 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 any any one of these sort of i'm trying to think of one that never had a sequel but um uh, like some of these films are i think it would be very fondly remembered i just think it's a really good standalone film but that's not the only one they made Right. You gotta remember, they also made uh, talking about Empire Strikes Back. A few notes I made: one, um, Hoth, cold. Everyone was wearing light jackets. I was very concerned. Nobody looked <laughs> warm enough. They yeah. were wearing like like sweatshirts, and it's supposed to well, be a planet covered I think in Han, ice. 
Han threw a parka on when he when he rode out on his tauntaun, didn't and he, he? And he only barely survived with a parka. So his how tauntaun was... froze before it got to the first marker. I mean, just like the guy warned him. But everyone's just hanging left. out outside with like exposed hands and faces. Like I, I was very confused about the weather on that planet, which is something I know we should be really. Well, isn't that a good place to put your your rebel base then? I guess. I mean, you wouldn't think it's... to look there. Um, CGI tauntauns were terrible. Um. Let's see. What about the part where they cut the Tauntaun stomach open? And, and oh, that, that was unnecessary. Why did you do that? You didn't have to do that. No, actually, if you look on Amazon, they have a Tauntaun sleeping bag Ugh. that actually the zipper is on the stomach. So it's like you cut And I think the zipper is actually a light, like a, the end of a lightsaber. So it's like you're cutting the stomach That's open. That's so dumb. It's a fun little, That's so dumb. little joke, a um, little in-joke for the Star Wars fans. Matt, let's talk about um, AT-ATs. AT-ATs. I don't know how to feel about them because on one hand, they're really cool. Mm, like they are really in terms cool. of a design, I would I would never think to do that. Armored like that, transport assault. What's the other T? I don't know. Yeah. So what? So you think that they're impractical? But that's it, though. They really are impractical because you've put all the they're they're topple they're top heavy. You put all the weight on top. Like, all oh. they did, they just tied up the legs. Did, did like, nobody think that was going to happen? All-terrain like, armored assaults. That, Transport. Like, it's a cool design, but it's so impractical. But that makes them really fun to destroy. They're perfect that, to destroy. They just What I don't over. understand is, what, yeah, it, it, right in the name, all-terrain armored transport, it's not really all-terrain. What if you had an AT-AT on the forest moon of Endor mm -hmm. where the final battle in return of the Jedi takes place. Mm -hmm. It's a forest. Would you think an AT-AT would do well with, the, with all those tall trees? Well, they had the, what are the two legged ones? Those are ATSTs. Okay. Th th one of those got tripped up by a bunch of rolling logs, home alone style. Like, you yeah. know, I I'm just, all they did was tie a rope around it and it c fell right down. But God, it looked so cool falling down. Oh, that yeah. was uh, the little scale model that they crashed. And, yeah, <sighs> and then it blows up. Yeah, the explosions. The I explosions literally cheered out loud. The explosions really were explosions. by far the best selling point for me because they were they were not they were good real looking explosions. Real, yeah, and I'm you sure they the were CGI all real shit. explosions. Oh, they yeah. were, and they especially the uh, the the uh, the the shield base in uh, Return mm -hmm. of the Jedi. Oh, yeah, that was a great explosion. Oh man, yeah. I was so all about that. Um, let's see. And feel free to uh, to jump in. I'm just making some. I want to make sure I don't miss any loose notes here. Um, oh, I, I mentioned uh, in 1980. I'm sure it wasn't as bad, but Han is getting a bit too pushy with Leia, verging on uncomfortable territory. I know there was one scene in uh, in Empire where uh, she wasn't really into it. And he was a little pushy. I wasn't wasn't really feeling good about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was a, there was a point. I think the, probably the low point in that whole relationship where he he was really getting aggressive. And I think it was it, it it verged on a little bit of creepiness, but again, by the seventies, eighties standards, maybe not, mm -hmm. maybe not. No, another no, fun thing mm -hmm. um, that I should have mentioned earlier uh, when I was talking about the opening dialogue in the movies, or the opening scenes having no dialogue, the closing scenes also had no dialogue. Mm -hmm. So first scenes and last scenes, no dialogue mm -hmm. at all. Um. Which I thought was the most powerful in Empire, Empire Strikes Back. And again, it set the tone for, for the entire movie, the front and the back. Mm -hmm. Like in, in New Hope, 
the last scene is them receiving their medals uh, at the ceremony, mm-hmm. no speaking, but it's a it's tri- it's a triumphant moment for the Rebel Alliance. In Empire, well, we'll get to Empire in a minute, but in the End of Jedi, you have the Ewok celebration, the parade, the fireworks, and the music, the dancing. You see, like this is the the final triumph, mm-hmm. like it's it's finally over. And then in Empire, the last scene is Luke is just rescued from his battle with Vader, mm-hmm. his ill-fated battle where he loses his hand. And it's really, it, it captures the low point of the Rebel Alliance. Like, Luke was defeated, and he had to run away, barely escaping with his life. Uh, he learned the true power of the dark side. He learned that Vader is his father mm-hmm. the whole time. And beside um, Leia, Lando Calrissian betrayed Leia, and Han is now in Carbonite, and they're just looking out into space. Like there's that big window, and it's C3PO, R2D2, Leia, and Luke, and they're mm-hmm. all like just looking out into space, like what just now? kind of staring into the abyss, like what now? Yeah, and that's that's great. I mean, I can't imagine being alive at that time without being able, like. Without, I, I couldn't wait the one day mm-hmm. to see the the Return of the Jedi in theaters. I yeah. can't imagine the tension, having to wait another two or three whole years to see the Jedi. It, it reminds and how our me, heroes turned out. It, it reminds me a lot of how a, a book is read, right? Where you, you there there's a front cover, there's a back cover. They don't they don't add something to the story, but they do set the scene and they set a tone. And, and and again, I, you look at a lot of these decisions that are made in this movie, and it really is all about storytelling. I mean that that's what all of these visual decisions and and execution decisions, everything from the camera angles to the opening crawl to the music for for as you talked about, it all comes back to 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 crafting a story. And it really is like you're reading a book in some respect. It, it really is much deeper than. As someone who grew up in the 90s and the 2000s, something I'm not used to in movies where they shove the story down your throat and you're expected, he's the bad guy, he's the good guy, the good guy will beat the bad guy in the end, you just have some explosions in between. I really didn't feel that with these movies and I think that's one of the reasons why it was surprising to me watching them that I enjoyed them as much as I did because I was really engrossed, like I haven't been engrossed in a movie in a long time. Mm. Um, And like I said, I, I cheered. Out loud, by myself, on my couch, in the dark, watching these movies. And I don't usually do that. And I think that's yeah. because they used all of these techniques to set you up. The the what One great example I love is the, the, the shots of the guys in their fighters, in the attack scenes, where you're shooting them forward in, into the cockpit. Yeah. Um, where you're, it, it, and it's steady with the, the ship. Like, even that, where, where you're getting the perspective of these guys... Uh, and, and you're showing them from the cockpit view. It's very easy to just show a bunch of ships, you know, lasers, explosions. But you're actually seeing the, the looks on their faces and, and you're, you're, I don't know. There was just a lot of decisions like that with, with, with how they portrayed people in the movie that, I, I don't know, there's just something about it that was just really, really special. Yeah, that that was the thing was that it, it shows that, like, that there's, it's a it's a it's an alien story, but at the same time, it has a very human heart. Mm-hmm. That's what I think I like to say. It's it's a, a galaxy far far away, but it's really so much like our own, and mm-hmm. that it's like, uh, um, 
it's like very poetic um, with a lot of, and it coincides with a lot of the stories that we tell. Like mm-hmm. this, actually, the entire Luke's entire story is based on a book that was written by, um, it was written in the 1950s by a very famous um, like critic. And he looked at all of the stories on Earth and he said it could really, they all could be boiled down into what's called the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wrote this book called Hero with a Thousand Faces. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like every legend ever told, every story ever told is about this. And Luke, and Lucas read this book and became inspired and said, what if I take the hero's journey and I set it in space? Mm-hmm. And that's really what, that's all Star Wars is. It's the hero's journey in space. So the greatest it's, story ever Luke, told. Yeah. Luke goes from naive, uh, stubborn, somewhat um, uh, unknowing uh, acolyte, like very, very low, low level, um, like person mm-hmm. grows over time and training, the training scenes that you didn't like in Empire and all the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he learned a lot of experiences blowing up the Death Star, too. Mm-hmm. But it's it shows, like, the human growth over mm-hmm. time. And then in the end, he becomes the the savior, really, of, of everyone. He saves the day. Mm-hmm. And he becomes the hero. And it shows everything about that from beginning all the way to end. It's a great arc. And mm-hmm. and and as you're saying that, I'm thinking of movies like Iron Man as a good example. I mean, it, it, this is you've seen the story before. It's not a new story. It's just really well told. Um, right. And it doesn't it doesn't seem condescending or obvious or or in your face or 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 making us feel stupid. Uh, it, it's just really natural. It's very uh, organic. Um. To to the setting. Um, yeah. Uh, I want to hit on a couple things uh, before we run out of time. First of all, uh, Empire Strikes Back. The second Empire film. Empire Strikes Back. It, it struck back with a vengeance, as we mm. discussed. Um, how would you rate Empire Strikes Back? Empire was Empire is tough mm-hmm. because, like we said, the first one's a standalone. This is kind of also... Um, its own thing. It's the it's the darkest one in the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, well, it was the one that was not made by Lucas, directed by Lucas. I mean, mm-hmm. um, it has probably the most iconic, quotable moments mm-hmm. of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I am your father, and um, uh, all the entire dialogue with Luke and, and Darth. Mm-hmm. But. I don't, for some reason, it's not my favorite one. My favorite one is still A New Hope. Mm-hmm. I still really like that just because of its self-containedness. So maybe I'll, I'll give it like an 8. Mm-hmm. I'll give it probably an 8 because it's still really good. And I don't really know why. It, why I, it, It's probably my least favorite one of the trilogy. And And I agree. But from a film standpoint, I think it's the best made. But it's just my, like not my favorite one to watch. I, I actually am, have a very similar opinion. And and for mm-hmm. me, I think it comes down to what's the worst part of any story, the middle, right? That's that's sometimes. I guess it depends on the story. But yeah. I, I think it's fun watching an origin story. And I think it's fun watching the conclusion. It's not fun. You know, it's like watching how the sausage gets made. It's not as fun. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, it, and to me, there were points where it just felt like it was a means to an end rather than 
like you needed I, to have it in order to get right to, again the, the, the yoda scenes are a great example i knew why they were there and i knew mm-hmm. why you needed them he dude had to get trained he had to have something to fight for he had to you know grow as a character i get that i just didn't need a whole movie for him to do it um so i i would give it a, a seven and a half out of ten um you know i'll, I'll knock a point off um it, it's still a very good movie um but i agree i would say new hope's oh, my yeah. favorite but but i do want to talk about um return of the jedi and specifically for me the end of yeah. return of the jedi the uh you know at, at some point some would assume the end of star wars right um the final movie um the the conclusion of our hero's journey um i really really loved it i really i i bought it hook line and sinker and and Again, you could have really gotten cheesy with it. You know, he's taking off his helmet, and I want to see you, my son. And, you know, I think a lot of people would have... And I've seen cheesy versions of that, right? Um, But there was just... I I was, like, tearing up. I really felt something for these characters, and especially the Darth Vader character. I think it's kind of obvious um, that, you know, Luke was going to get there. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think there was any surprise, but but there was something really telling because, and and this speaks volumes for me for the movies. There was a second where I wasn't sure what Darth was going to do because I've never seen the movies before and no one really talks about oh, how right, they end, right. right? You know, I know the the I am your father twist, but I I never really yeah. knew how the movies ended. And so for a second, I was like, Is he going to do it? Is he going to save his son or is he going to turn evil? I really didn't know, which says a lot. Because in retrospect, it's obvious it's an arc and he has to complete it. But when he did it, I just swelled up with this, like, (laughs) this pride and this, like, just... Oh, yeah. They did it and there's completion and there's a relief that the story completed. And, you know, when when there's the reveal, I I loved when... um, Vader figures out, it talks about Leia being his sister and there's another and then Luke just flips out and just goes nuts and starts going after him with the lightsaber. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it is really emotional and it's it's a family drama, really, is what it is. And, yeah. And then you have the Emperor come in, which, by the way, was the Emperor supposed to be scary? I didn't think he was scary at all. He's supposed to be very sinister. I, no, I just thought he was like a lame old man. Like, I did not Until he find started him... shooting the force lightning. That was cheesy. And it was like that same, by the way, the same effect from Ghostbusters. I don't, I don't think that that was my, yeah, I think that was the mistake was that I think that the empire was a little, the emperor specifically emperor Palpatine. I think he was just like, he came across as too feeble. He was weak. I think that he, he kind of looked like a frail old man. And I think that was kind of what Lucas was going for was that again, a mistaken identity. Like Mm -hmm. you assume that he's going to be this frail, weak old guy, but then he shoots force lightning and he's very powerful with the dark side his of the chair force. just spins around a lot like i don't yeah i was yeah i got over he had a cane come on but i don't i don't think he needed to be that fa- frail and feeble no i think that he was just weak. needed to, he just kind of needed to be shrouded and like secret but yeah so uh, the ending for me excluding the really cheesy cheering and the cgi cheering scenes at hayden christensen and all of that nonsense that was a little much. I didn't care for that. But everything up to that point, everything right up to Vader dying and then him burning the body dramatically, which I thought was cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I knocked it out of the park. I thought the ending was absolutely everything it needed to be and, and accomplished 100% of it goals. What a great three-movie story told for all of these characters, too, which, 
I want to say Leia, I felt, was left out a little bit. I feel like I didn't get enough character growth from her. Um, You did get some, right? She didn't do anything in the first movie, and by the third movie, she was kicking some ass. So she kicked, Yeah, Return of the Jedi was her film to kick ass. It, it was. So whether I, it was in Jabba's Palace or whether it was on the planet, on the forest moon, she... Mm-hmm. She did a lot of cool stuff, but but you movie. saw you saw an arc in in Han, and you saw it in in, in a lot of Luke, the in, in the yeah. in the entire uh, uh, Rebel uh, Alliance, and um, of course Invader and and Luke, and and it was just it was really nice to see. It really was a great story. For me, it's always that scene in the end when they burn Darth Vader's body. Wow, that that's what gets it's me. powerful. That's, like, that's a powerful scene, and. Again, there's no dialogue. That's mm-hmm. after the that's after the last line of dialogue in the movie is mm-hmm. spoken. They light his uh his suit on fire. Basically, it's like the end of the empire. Basically, yeah, and 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 it's Luke putting some some demons to rest demons, there. Really his own demons, right? Putting putting that side behind him. Yeah, putting away the his his own fears that he could turn into this or mm-hmm. he could become this. Absolutely, and and Someday. it it was nice. It was nice. I don't know, Matt. What What do you think Great of uh, Return of the Jedi? You want to like put Return. some points on it? I I really like Return. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it at a. I'll probably put it at an eight and a half. I'm gonna put an eight and a half, just because. Um, <laughs> it's kind of the end of the movie. Kind of almost, and I don't want to ruin it, but it kind of almost feels like a recycled version of what happens in a new hope mm-hmm. like they have to assault the death star again yeah. and they, <laughs> they gotta blow up again the yeah and they gotta celebrate again and like it's no, kind of right. like a repeat of, of like what exactly what happened mm-hmm. i don't think they had to I, I don't like that they were trying to rebuild the death star and yeah it's like half it's complete your... And actually, it's weird I that the really second Death like Star that. was easier to destroy than the first one. I guess because it was under construction. But... It was under construction, right? And think about how many independent contractors died. I, you know, when they were building that, I tried that to be Death good Star. about not doing those things in the movie where it was like, where'd they get all the materials to make <laughs> that? It's giant. Uh, they, they had to raise taxes, obviously. Could, Space oh taxes God, went imagine? way up. Could you Space taxes were super high. How much it cost. I, I've never read any, but I know the economists always do those articles. Like, you know, blowing up yeah. the Death Stars would have bankrupted the, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the Empire. The Empire, yeah. Um, yeah. But I just didn't like that. I, I think that it could have been like, Something else. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe they could have been on their own planet. And the the Rebel Alliance has the chance to blow up the in, the Imperial planet that they're on, but they don't they decide not to in an opposite of what the Empire does when they blow up Alderaan. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then instead they, they go in they go on the planet and kill him, kill the Emperor or something like that. Also, yeah. since since when does destroying one leader completely crumble and destroy the entire empire. Mm-hmm. I hope we'll get some Obviously, answers to it's that a very, in the new movie. This is a very top-heavy empire. Mm-hmm. If just killing the, the leader makes the entire thing fall to pieces. Mm-hmm. But then I you agree. could say maybe maybe the evil uh this the evil side of the force, the dark side of the force was so strong within the empire that he had all of these people under some kind of like spell, mm. some sort of evil Jedi magic. Maybe. Then in that case, when they're all killed, then they're basically just victims. I, like, I'd like, like the new movie to, uh, to explain that. What, what, what happened yeah. after the fall? Yeah, or the did they the, fall? The, Maybe they're still the in The second control. Death Star blows up and that, that's it. Like, yeah. All of a sudden, everybody just gives up. But like, what the Empire's now? over. You got us. You got us. Yeah. 
but everyone yeah. just quits. In yeah. reality, I think it would have been a little bit more complex. No, I I agree. <laughs> um, yeah, I I would say on on Return of the Jedi. I, I love the ending. I thought it was a great ending to the three films. It was, again, too long. There, I was, you know, the, the oh, let's revisit Yoda just so we can do a, <coughs> I'm dying, <coughs> you know, scene. And, um, you know, too long with the Ewoks. I felt you could have trimmed that. You know, it took him half the movie to destroy that, that base. Literally half the movie. Um, it took me two nights to watch it, so I, I thought it was too long. <laughs> um, I, I just like, I like movies that are succinct so um I, I would put it right in between the other two i think you're right i think new hope is number one this is number two um I, you know i'd put it smack in between at what an 8.5 um and, and i really enjoyed it and i thought it was a great bookend to the series yeah matt it took us our, our longest episode ever longest ever ever but we somehow managed to, to talk. And I think there's more. I still think we could go there's on way for more hours. Work. There's um, way We could have our own podcast just about the Star Wars. I bet there universe. are several um, because it is yeah. it is persuade, pervasive. Um, now, I will say I've, I've got two questions for you. First, mm. anything I should know about before diving into the prequels? Wow. Without spoiling, Sean, is there anything I should be aware of? There are many things you should be aware of. Oh, boy. But all I'll tell you is... Prepare to have your heart just ripped out of its oh, chest. Boy. If you love these movies, these prequels are gonna absolutely kill you. They're they're just gonna like, oh my god. But uh, Matt, are you there? Matthew? Matt? Oh no! We go we go a whole hour and thirteen minutes before he completely collapses. That's bad news, bears. Bad news indeed. All right, we're going to try and get Matt back on the line. Hopefully uh, hopefully he'll be back. I have no idea. Uh, again, at Sean Jennings, if you want to hear me live tweet the, uh, the prequels. Um, we're taping this on Thursday, uh, and Phantom Menace is going to be on Friday. So, uh, of course, you can always look back. Hashtag Star Wars number one ST watch. Star Wars first watch. Um, you can click that and it'll have all the tweets for all the movies, um, for my raw thoughts. And I'm going through and reading some of them and some of them I'm like, yeah, in retrospect, I probably shouldn't have said that. All right, Matt's back. I'm back. We're back. Um, so there's one, yes, there's one phrase and I want to see if you can guess it. Okay. It's the most, um, said as actually the phrase that is said the most often in all of the Star Wars movies. And I think it applies perfectly to how you're going to feel about the prequels. Uh, and what would that be? I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah, yeah, I got, I'm got. i getting a lot of that from folks. At least... Throughout, throughout the entire movies, that's the, actually the, the, most, um, the most said line by pretty much every character has said that line. It's a great line. Um. Yeah. At Maybe least even R two D two. At least half the people I I've have talked a bad to feeling about this have uh, mm -hmm. have told me just to completely skip the prequels. But I refuse to do that. Yeah. Um, no. Don't skip them because no. you need to see them. It's it's part. Of, it listen. It's for better or worse. It's part of it. Um. Mm -hmm. Um. We're gonna check it out. Yeah. Uh. And and the best part about seeing the prequels is when when you're done with them, there's just tons of parodies and. 
and uh, and then fun, I'll get all of them. Little, I'll finally understand them. Fun little in things, them. yeah, that you'll appreciate. And it's not even necessarily a bad story. It's just it's a shame because it's it's the acting. I think it's yeah. the acting that really well. And the the stupid CG stuff because this was this was made in the two thousands and not in the nineteen seventies. He he goes way too overboard yeah. with the CG and the crap for for the kids. And you can see that a little bit. That's in the, the problem with it. You can see that a little bit in the first couple movies where there are moments. Um, and even Mark Hamill's acting in the first movie is not great. Some of those line readings are pretty yeah. bad. So this was actually. I don't know if it was his first movie. Yeah. It was one of his oh, very early movies. Yeah. And he definitely got better, but I will not be, if, if the little tidbits I've already seen are any indication, it's going to be hilarious. Uh, I'm kind of looking it's, forward. It's really, yeah. Cause when you look at it from a story point of view, the story is not that bad. Like mm-hmm. the story, if you can gleam even a little bit of like what the story is trying to say about the character of Darth Vader, um, it's, it's actually, I think it's a good, it's a well, written well-made story but Mm -hmm. everything else just shits all over it especially (laughs) the acting especially the acting and the um the the special effects that just look like garbage i'm so crapped out of a computer i'm so excited i'm gonna yeah you got to check it out ask sean jennings follow me it's it's hashtag star wars the number one st watch star wars first watch i'll be live tweeting all three of them uh over the next couple days in anticipation of the force awakens matt have you already got your tickets Oh yes, you're doing. Absolutely. Are you doing the midnight? Uh... I'm doing the midnight. I got to do the midnight. I always have, and and I always will be doing the midnight. I'm, I'm debating. Uh, I'm going to see it. I just uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to go out for uh, for midnight or not. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 excited. Now I'm excited. Now I'm excited. Yeah, I was excited when I saw the trailer and knew nothing of the movies. Now I'm really excited. Yeah, um, and I and I really really have been hoping beyond hope that. This is going to live up to the, the live up to the expectations because if it doesn't, it can ruin Star Wars for an entire generation. And I, I just really hope that it uh, it comes out strong with a good showing. It's the first Star Wars movie in um, what year is it? Twenty fifteen. Yeah, it's the first Star Wars movie in over over seven years, over eight years, maybe over ten years. A long time, really. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 been a long time. You know, man. I think. Uh, either way, good or bad, I think we can all agree Disney is going to make a bazillion dollars on this. That is, uh, that is absolutely for sure. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about they're, it. They're going to be in the money. Let, let me ask you, money. Matt. They're going to be, be rolling the, in those Republic credits. Is this going to be the biggest movie of all time? You'd have Avatar. I think there's is so still, much pressure. Is there's still so one. much pressure riding on this movie. I think it can be. I think it can do it. I think he can absolutely do it, and I and I have I have the utmost um, faith in J.J. Abrams and and company, and in, in that they I think they they I think they're going to do a good job with it. Agreed. I I'll put it to you this way: I don't think it could possibly be worse than episodes one through three. I, I don't think you can get worse. They Although, were bad. They I can just... think of a couple examples of movie franchises where they said, well, it can't be any worse than the uh, other one. Spider-Man 3 came out. How about the new Fantastic Four? Um, they they always manage to make stinkers, so you never know. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my fingers crossed, though. Um, yeah. I do want to let everyone at home know a couple things before we conclude. First of all, Dungeons & Dragons. Check it out. Uh, it's sandwiching this episode. So last week you heard uh, some Dungeons and Dragons. We figured out what levels we were, and we were in the cave, and we did some investigating, and we came across some goblins. 
after this episode, the following week, we are going to actually do something about those goblins. We're going to figure out right or wrong what we should do, and uh, we make our journey into uh, the city whose name I already forgotten because everything has ridiculous names in that stupid game. <laughs> Fandolin. Uh, Fandolin. Fandolin. It's in the freaking name. We're going name to the... Fandolin. We're it's going the, to Fandolin. Yeah. And we go the Fandal Inn. The Fandal Inn in Fandolin. Yes, exactly. Uh, you're going to want to check those out as well. Um, I want to make any assumptions, Matt. Are we going to do an episode on the prequels, you think? Yeah. All right. I, I think we should. I think that's a good idea. And then yeah, maybe, depending well. on depending on time, maybe we'll do a little mini review of Force Awakens as well. Yeah. Um, and we have more Dungeons & Dragons scheduled to be taped next week as well. So there'll be plenty on the feeds, which is good, especially around the holidays as people get busy. There will be no gap, I yeah. assure you. Uh, in content. Awesome. Um, Goldilockshow.com is, of course, our website, uh, and SoundCloud.com slash Show for uh, the audio, and of course, at Show on Twitter. But if you go to the website, all the links to everything and all the places you can subscribe are there. Um, and also, if, if you're watching the show and you've managed to get through the hour and 20 minutes we've already talked, send me an email at GoldilocksShow at gmail.com. The reason I want you to do that is two two reasons. One, I want to know if you're still listening. And if you are, maybe I'll send you a prize or something. But um, also, two, um, the other show I do, Don't Panic Show, we're now doing live audio streaming. And we've had a pretty good response to that. People seem to like that. I don't know if they'd like that for this show. Maybe you would. If you would, let me know and I'll do it. I won't do it if nobody's going to listen. But if people are interested, um, I have no problem doing it live. So... If you think it's a good idea, goldilockshow@gmail.com. Let me know your feedback, or on really any of this. Uh, do it live; it could be fun. We'll do it live. All right, cool, Matt. Anything else? Uh, I guess these are actually the droids you're looking for this time. This time, absolutely. This time. May the these force the be with you. For. Wait, these are the droids you're looking oh! for. Oh, uh, oh! And as always, a good blaster. And as always, side. those blasters missed. Wide. Oh snap. Oh snap. Oh snap. Oh snap. Alright. Uh thanks everybody for joining us. On behalf of Matt, this is Sean. As always, we'll see you next time on another episode of the Goldilocks Zone. <laughs>